Locking in Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you, as always. And in today's show, I will be previewing the AFC West for fantasy football in 2022. Also got a bold take here at the beginning of the show. And then I'll be previewing the last division of the divisional previews. And it's done at last. The fantasy football offseason is almost over in the fantasy regular season when all the fun begins is coming up. So I'll be talking AFC West today, having the final recorded bold take of the offseason as well. So in episode 154, we are now wrapping up what is basically the third completed offseason of the second goal fantasy podcast, which is pretty crazy to think about. So once we get into the regular season, episodes coming out Tuesday and Thursday, where I record them Monday and Wednesday, waiver wire questions for your week guys who will be good bad start sit it's going to be like that and it's going to be a lot of fun so be sure to check out the afc south episode that's also in your feed had a great guest on that one i actually did have a guest booked for this show but unfortunately he had to drop out um a few hours before we were supposed to record so i'm recording this one instead uh just on my own so i'll have one guest episode and one not this week so we'll see we'll obviously try to get him on at some point soon um, for a different episode, the guest I had scheduled for today, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately we were just, I mean, it was not the first time that we, uh, that where we were trying to like book the times and like one of us had a problem and weren't able to record. So you're trying to find a time to record and just didn't end up being able to. So I'm recording this one on my own, have a guest for the AFC South episode. I really recommend you check that out. Haven't actually recorded that one yet, but I'm sure it was a lot of fun. So you should listen now let's get into it. Bull take 10 and AFC West preview. It's time. So it's the last bold take of the offseason. Finally, at last. And it's another spicy one. Another one involving receivers. I've liked a lot of those this offseason. But my bold take is Chris Olave will finish higher than Brandon Ayuk for fantasy football in 2022 in half-point PPR leagues. Olave being the wide receiver 45. Ayuk being the wide receiver 35. Now, obviously... This is, uh, it, it's not, this this take is interesting because I just picked out Brandon Ayuk from this range because I wanted someone who was like 10 plus spots ahead of Chris Olave who I like. I don't mind Brandon Ayuk, but I see their situations, like Chris Olave's situation is better and his upside is higher because when we really dive into it, let's look at the teams. It's the 49ers versus the Saints. With the 49ers, you've got a quarterback in Trey Lance who we know likes to run the ball and is also unproven may not throw the ball a ton in this offense. Then you've got a superstar wide receiver one in Debo Samuel and a great tight end in George Kittle, who's going to dominate a lot of targets and a run-heavy offense historically, along with the likely rushing attempts we'll see with Trey Lance. So Ayuk is at best the wide receiver three here in a run-heavy offense with Trey Lance. Compare that with Chris Olave, who just got taken high in the first round by the New Orleans Saints, is in an offense with a quarterback in Jameis Winston, who has been known to air the ball out, Sure, they're, they've got Alvin Kamara at running back. They're going to run the ball, but they're not like necessarily going to be run heavy. But even so, like the competition for Olave is Michael Thomas, who was a former dominant wide receiver one, who is having has struggled with injuries for so long that we don't know if it's going to be that way. And clearly the Saints thought they needed an upgrade at wide receiver. And then Alvin Kamara at running back, and that's about it. So Olave really has the opportunity to be the number one wide receiver in New Orleans, or at worst, the number two. Versus, whereas Ayuk is the number three in his offense, and yet Ayuk is going much higher. Obviously, San Francisco might be the better team, but for fantasy, Olave is in a better situation than Brandon Ayuk. And so it's just a bet on whether you think the rookie can do it. And I think the draft capital means that we have a good enough bet 
to maybe take that chance. And I like taking a chance on Chris Olave as a potential breakout player because he's got a lot of upside in that wide receiver 45 range. Ayuk doesn't maybe have as much upside. So Olave over Ayuk and half PPR 2022 fantasy football. Simple as that. So that's the last bull take of the offseason. That's going to finally wrap all of these up. I'll play back all 10 at the end of the year. Going to be a lot of fun for that. But yeah, let's get into the AFC West final division. 12 more questions to go through. I guess in total, we have done 96 questions. Or maybe I think we did like one episode where we had like four questions for a few of the questions. like Or for, for a few of the teams. Because like we were trying to include every player. So I think I basically had like 100 questions of fantasy football answer. That's how I should brand this. Instead of divisional previews, I should be like a hundred of your fantasy football questions answered. I actually want to see how many it was because I know like it was the episode with Pierre because he suggested a few more questions to add into the note sheet that had like missed out on some important fantasy players. And so we added those and talked about them. So we had like a few more on that episode. I want to see how many it was. Maybe I'll like brand these episodes as like 99 questions to win answered to win you your fantasy football leagues over these last few weeks. Maybe that would, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure you'll find out on my Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF, by the way, is where you can follow me at SGF pod for the podcast. Let's get into it. AFC West. Let's start with the Broncos. First question, of course, is about the quarterback situation and Russell Wilson making his way into Denver. How does Russell Wilson change this offense for fantasy is the question. It's a good one. It's one that's people been wondering, and I think it starts with the wide receivers. You're going to see an upgrade for Cortland Sutton, and you're going to see an upgrade from Jerry Judy because Russell Wilson is miles and miles better than Drew Locke. We'll get to those wide receivers in a bit later. As for Wilson himself, he's the quarterback nine right now on fantasy pros. I feel like that's pretty fair, pretty fair ranking to put him in that spot. He's probably going to be a good QB one throughout the year. Got some weapons, got a good offensive line and a good running game. I don't really like a guy like Dak Prescott, who's kind of a tier below him on fantasy pros. I don't like that above Russ, but I take a guy like Tom Brady or Joe Burrow above him usually because they've been a lot more consistent in the years past with fantasy football and have locked in situations as well. But Russ is still i mean he's good around where around where he is if he slips in the draft a little bit to the point where you're taking him in the later rounds go for it otherwise i won't necessarily take prioritize that kind of quarterback early looking at the running backs how high are you willing to draft javante williams next year is the question asking to myself so williams is on fantasy pros the rb14 that's probably around where I'm willing to draft it. Probably RB 15 because I like James Conner ahead of Javante Williams. Then maybe like Zeke versus Javante. That's a tough question, but we'll we're going to see Javante Williams not get the amount of work that we wish he could have because Melvin Gordon and him have been splitting reps very evenly again in training camp. Williams is probably the lead back, but Gordon's back and better than ever as well. So it's hard to project like that huge, massive top 10 upside for Javante Williams next year. Now this could actually help him for efficiency. The fact that he's usually going to be fresh and he's usually going to end up, uh, I mean, he's usually going to be uh, like a fresher and be more efficient potentially, but it takes a big workload and a bell cow workload in the running in receiving game and consistency to be an RB one. And I don't know if Javante Williams is going to have that next year overall. So around where he's going 14, 15, where I would draft him. Looking at the wide receivers, thoughts on Sutton and Judy for fantasy this year. Sutton versus Judy, more like. I like Sutton better. I've been talking about this throughout the offseason. I think he's proven more in the NFL, and I think he has a potential to be a bigger play threat than Jerry Judy. Judy, of course, has been fine. He's been hampered by bad quarterback play. He could be really good, but I like Sutton better overall as more of a downfield vertical threat. I think he'll make bigger plays. 
And I think he'll be overall more dominant in fantasy football. And Sutton's a guy who I think he'd like be a top 12 receiver next year. Judy, maybe like top 24. I've been off of him a little bit, but I mean, it's possible. We've seen Russell Wilson support multiple good fantasy receivers in the past. Let's look at the Chargers. When is it worth it to take Justin Herbert in a single quarterback league? So Justin Herbert right now is the quarterback two on fantasy pros. It's not really worth it to take him until the end of the fifth round in my eyes. Pursuing the late round quarterback strategy when you're getting guys in the late rounds, which you can every year that have massive upside, like a guy like Trey Lance because of their rushing upside. There's no need to pick a guy at cost who like you're paying for his best case scenario. Essentially, I'd rather stream replaceable level guys off the waiver wire, play for matchups, which are very predictable and draft uh, high upside guys in the late rounds. I'm not taking Justin Herbert. I mean, honestly, for me personally, I might not even take him until like the sixth round if he fell that far. But I think like it's fine. It's fine to probably take him mid to late fifth if you want to consider that. How high should Austin Eckler go in a half PPR league is a question. Now, here's a guy I want to draft in a half point PPR. I think Austin Eckler should probably go around the number five overall pick. I like Jonathan Taylor. I like Christian McCaffrey ahead of him. They have game changing upside. I also think Derrick Henry has that in a half PPR league. Eckler versus Cook is tough. Honestly, I like Cook for the more consistent workload. In, I mean, Eckler's going to have the superior workload in the passing game, Cook in the rushing game, and ends up balancing out pretty evenly. I mean, Cook gets more touches, but Eckler can be so efficient with those receptions that give you bonus points. So at the end of the day, I think sometimes my internal bias gets me, and I think of Eckler as more injury-prone than Cook, which likely isn't true. Eckler, I guess, is a smaller build, so maybe he is like slightly more. But at the same time, I mean, injury running backs are injury-prone until they aren't, and Cook was injury-prone a few years back, quote-unquote. Now he's not. So Eckler, Cook, it's really a toss-up for me of who you like more. So four or five for me, Austin Eckler in half-point PPR. Do we expect a similar split to last year between the receivers for the Chargers is the question at receiver? I would say yes. Not much changing for Keenan Allen, who's going to be back-end wide receiver one. Mike Williams, probably an inconsistent wide receiver two, back-end guy. I'm not taking him at wide receiver 16. That's a little high for me where he is. I'd rather have like Deontay Johnson, Cortland Sutton's around in that range as well, who's been actually rising up rankings, it looks like. Guys like that. Gerald Everett might throw a wrench into this, but I don't think he's going to be too productive. He'll probably just take the former Jared Cook role. Oh, we saw last year. The Chiefs, how high should Patrick Mahomes be in quarterback rankings? So obviously you understand that. Like I'm not going to be going after Mahomes early. I think Mahomes is probably the number, the anywhere between like the number four and the number six fantasy quarterback. I would take Allen over him. I would take Herbert over him. I would also take Lamar Jackson over him for his rushing upside. Kyler Murray's where it gets tough. I think I would take Mahomes over Kyler because we're going to see early in the season. Kyler struggle, I think, without DeAndre Hopkins, a lot like he did at the end of last year. Jalen Hurts, that's a toughie because I actually really, really think Jalen Hurts has quarterback one overall upside with A.J. Brown there and all of that rushing upside. They're pretty close together. It's really a ceiling versus floor pick for me there. So Mahomes is probably four or five in terms of quarterback rankings. Is Clyde Edwards-Alaire a value right now in fantasy? I actually think he might be a little bit. Like, we're seeing such a huge drop-off. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was consistently kind of mediocre last year. He only had, I think, like, what was it, two touchdowns? He had four touchdowns all season. But for a while there, he just was not scoring touchdowns, just being annoying overall. But he actually ended up putting up some okay fantasy points and, like, would get consistently get some okay carries. And now maybe with Tyreek Hill gone, 
it's possible we see a little bit more of Clyde edwards Hilaire in the red zone, which would certainly boost him a lot. There's not much competition here. He's continued to be the starter. Like, there's nobody else I can trust in this backfield right now. So at RB27, I'm not going to go back to past years and just be like, all right, we're doing this all over again. Clyde edwards Hilaire could be an incredible dominant force. But I would take him over Chase Edmonds. I'd probably take him over Antonio Gibson. He belongs in the tier of like a J.K. Dobbins, in my eyes. Maybe probably lower than Dobbins. Now the Dobbins concern is there with the Ravens signing Kenyon Drake, which I think like to briefly summarize that news, we're just going to see Drake take maybe a few touches here and there. But Dobbins still just be his efficient self. It only just caps his ceiling just a little bit. But I see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is jumping a couple of guys in those rankings. And I mean, sometimes he even slips like you'll see a gap between a guy like Gibson or Edmonds going and then Hilaire, Edwards Hilaire. And so maybe like he'll slip a bit in drafts because people are fit, worn out by the name. But yeah, maybe a little bit of a value. How does the receiving core look for fantasy without Tyreek Hill is the question here. Oh man, it's real complicated. So now that is the first episode, I, I forget if I've mentioned this on the podcast or if I've just talked about this with people because I just talk about fantasy constantly these days. I actually don't mind really anyone at cost in the Chiefs wide receiver room. And yes, this comes as a total shock to folks who have listened for years and understand the consistent Juju Smith-Schuster hate that has come out of my mouth. But let's think about this for a second. Juju Smith-Schuster hate was coming out of my mouth when he was the wide receiver 18 overall in consensus in a Ben Roethlisberger-led offense. And he was like probably the wide receiver two or wide receiver three in that offense. He is now the wide receiver one, maybe the wide receiver two, but obviously because if you count Travis Kelsey in a Patrick Mahomes led offense and is down to the wide receiver 31. So I want to under, I want to underline the massive price change that we've seen. Juju has dropped a lot and he dropped because he was trash. And yes, I I, I think he was, I'm going to say, I, I mean, I think he was trash. I mean, he wasn't like trash in terms of NFL, but he busted for you in fantasy and couldn't really do much beyond the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's a good specialized player. He's not a wide receiver one for an offense. I've said that for a while, but we've seen the price shift so drastically and the situation improved by a lot to me in my eyes to where Juju is not a guy I'm necessarily targeting in drafts because I still don't believe in his ability to be a dominant force. And I don't think he has like top 20, top 15 realistic upside, but he has upside to finish higher than wide receiver 31. Absolutely. And there's comes a point to where, and I'd like to, I mean, I'd obviously like to take credit for this. I mean, I can't really take credit for a single, a defining shift in the fantasy football industry, but people caught on to the juju thing and all started fading him collectively. And everybody now fades him to the point where he's not in a bad value anymore. I actually selected Juju Smith-Schuster in a draft the other day. I know, like, it's crazy. So the Juju hate is actually, like, it's it's hard to get the bias out of my head, but the Juju hate is now over for me in terms of, like, his value. Like, right now, at cost, wide receiver 31 is not a bad spot for him. And that's what I'll say. Now, moving on to the rest of the guys. Uh, there's Sky Moore, of course. Good upside pick at wide receiver 51. We haven't heard much about him, but, like, you know, he'll... He could be good. It's the Chiefs upside pick right there, but some risk obviously involved. Don't want to pay a premium, but you don't really have to at that position. So taking late round shots, he's not bad. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, we kind of know what he is. That's why I don't really like taking him at wide receiver 53. Although maybe he is what we hope Sky Moore will be, which is kind of just like a deep ball threat. But Marcus Valdez-Scantling is never too consistent anyway. 
it's actually pretty it's it's difficult for me to imagine a consistent fantasy producer outside of Travis Kelsey in this offense and then maybe Juju Smith-Schuster as well it's, it's hard to imagine guys outside of that being consistently good because we saw that I mean outside of Kelsey and Hill not really many consistent fantasy producers at receiver in the Chiefs offense last year let's move to the Raiders the final team we're going to preview the Las Vegas Raiders could Derek Carr be an elite fantasy quarterback next year is the question I think elite depends on how you define elite maybe he could maybe be a top eight quarterback next year with Devonte adams that could elevate him maybe even like a top like yeah seven or eight quarterback just throwing dimes the next joe burrow leads his team to the super bowl he's not gonna lead his team to the super bowl but at quarterback 15 he actually looks like a pretty nice value i think he's a good bet to potentially be a top 12 quarterback in fantasy he's done it before even without Devonte adams and now gets this dominant receiver he could be good is Zamir White scary for the status of Josh Jacobs is the next question. Eh, I don't really get it. Like the, the huge hype for Zamir White. I mean, it's not like he was drafted. I'm going to look up his exact pick, but it's not like he was drafted particularly highly. And the team just cut Kenyon Drake. So I'm sure they're confident in him, but he was a fourth round pick as which I would like. So, you know, I mean, he's been good in training camp, but Josh Jacobs has had this role for a while. We know what Josh Jacobs is. He's a back-end RB2 who does really well when his team is winning games and he gets a lot of touches in the end. So, this is Amir, Amir White's not taking over. It's not scary. He's just what he is. But I don't under, I don't understand, like, I mean, there's not very many, like, Josh Jacobs breakout truthers out there. I wouldn't understand that. But I also don't understand, I've seen people be on, like, the fade Josh Jacobs train because of Zemir White. It doesn't make that much sense. Because he feels like a known commodity. And he's done it for multiple years and been good. And they haven't added anyone important. Fourth round running back is not important until he shows it on the field or gets hype as the clear starter. Yes, I know. Zemir White might take carries from Josh Jacobs. They signed Kenyon Drake last year. They do this all the time. Peyton Barber was a problem. Like, we know Josh Jacobs is not going to be, like, a dominant producer in terms of carries. But, like, there's always some guy on the Raiders who will take a few. And it's not a big deal because... Even the top running backs have guys who will take a few carries here and there. Like, I mean, there's no, like, there's no backfield in the world that really uses one RB exclusively, except for like Derrick Henry. And even then, you'll still see some guys get a couple carries in there here and there. Like, you can't just have one guy out there the entire game. Is the point? How good could we expect Devontae Adams to be this year? It's a great question. I think we can expect him to be very, very good. Borderline top five receiver potentially. I think he's good to be top eight. Could potentially be, yeah, that borderline top five. Because Derek Carr is a good enough quarterback to where I feel like Devontae Adams has all the target share in the world available as he steps in to almost guaranteed to be the wide receiver one role in this offense because he's the best receiver over there. And he could elevate this Raiders offense and just be huge based on his targets and based on his talent. I like him a lot. Obviously, you're going to have to pay up to go get him. I think wide receiver five, wide receiver six is where I would rank Devontae Adams. And wide receiver six, maybe if I decided I'd like to Tyreek Hill over him because I like Tyreek Hill a lot next year. But definitely top six for Devontae Adams. So that answers everything. And that wraps up the previews. So new schedule for the podcast. And I'm just trying to remember what I decided for it. I guess here's what I'll do. New schedule for um, the podcast. Next week, like I, I decided this in my head. It's actually so funny. I didn't announce it at all. And now I'm thinking of it right now and kind of just saying this literally on the fly. But next week, we're going to have a week one fantasy preview coming out on Wednesday, like usual. After that, Tuesday, Thursday episodes. Reactions and waiver wire on Tuesday. Big questions start to sit booms and busts on Thursday. Trade advice throughout the season for fantasy football. I, I kind of like always forget to do the trade talk segment. I'll remember to do that this year. 
Like I've had various ways I've planned it out. We're going to figure it out. That's where I give you buy lows and sell highs for fantasy. And yeah, that's really it. It's going to be great. Ready for this, these old uh, in-season segments to come back. Cover yet another season of fantasy football here with you on this podcast. So let me know if you enjoyed the show. Email questions, secondgoalfantasy.gmail.com, at SGFpod on Twitter. That's the way. It's going to be a great fantasy football season. At Calvin underscore SGF on Twitter is where you can follow me. Keep up every step of the way. I might be running pregame Twitter spaces, answering your fantasy football questions live. Lots to come this year. And it's all starting next week with the week one fantasy preview. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next time.